What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Amy, it's Amy. All right, let's, uh, let's do a little Gilmore to consider. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Consider with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. We have some things to consider about Miss Amy Sherman Palladino. We do. I don't know why I keep wanting to see her name like it's like in lights. It's Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. I mean, she yeah. should have her name in lights. Oh, it was going to be. Did, did you hear about her doing um uh, the Gypsy Revival? Yes, but I think that she was supposed to do the Gypsy Revival. Like Gypsy, um, was it supposed to be on stage or I heard it was a film adaptation? Oh, I thought it was on stage. I thought oh, it was it on Broadway. Been. Could have been. But um, never heard anything about that ever again. Yeah, I know. I actually looked into it recently because Brett was asking me if she had ever done any like stage work. Yeah. And I think in like, it was like a year ago, it was in 2022, they talked about it being a film adaptation, but I have mm. to. Okay, because this was that. like in the, I think like 2017, mm. where she mentioned she was doing for maybe like for Broadway yeah and I was like really excited about it especially because that's her favorite musical I know I know but no that just reminded me because I um I want to see her there but um we'll we'll have to wait and see if what happens because Maisel's ending it is it is and then there's that the untitled dance project that's happening I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because I can't say too much about it, which I know is a little frustrating, but I Ooh. found out some tea about Amy's <gasps> next show when Ooh. I was at work the other day. Um, and, you know, to preserve the trust that my friend put in me, because apparently it's very hush-hush, um, I'm not going to share too much, which, again, I know is very frustrating, but I can tell you that it is happening. And a lot of us already kind of know, like you said, that it's a dance show, and they had put out a casting call about it. Right. And the reason that I, you know wanted to bring that up is because it sounds to me and a lot of people speculate that it's going to be very similar to Bunheads. How many seasons was Bunheads? Was it just the one? Yeah, it only ran for one season. It ran from June 11th, 2012 to February 25th, 2013. Um, So it didn't last as long as I'm sure that they were expecting it to. And it sounds like if they're going to do another dance show, I'm not saying it has to be exactly like Bunheads, nor do I know if it is, but they kind of get another shot at that. And what's interesting is that um, I found this article because I'd been told by my friend that it is starting somewhere else um but it will eventually be filming here in new york and you mean it's starting somewhere else oh like location like the location it's actually starting to film elsewhere but then it is going to eventually make its way to new york um, which is very interesting and uh, I confirmed this in this article that I came across on HudsonValleyCountry.com uh, because they were talking about the show being in Orange County, New York. Oh. Yeah, which is very well, see, interesting. So we're finding, we're finding reputable sources, not just inside sources. Exactly. <laughs> so there was a Hudson Valley casting call when they had put out that entire casting notice, which hilariously, my mom and Brett's mom shared with us on the <laughs> same, like within one day of each other. It was like, did you see this? And I love it because yeah. it's like my mom is the Star's Hollow Gazette. I love, I love. (laughs) Um, But they put out an additional casting call for 
a 10 to 13 year old ballerina who is either black, indigenous, native, Latin, Hispanic, Asian American, Pacific Islander, or Mensa, which stands for Middle Eastern, North African, South Asian. So they are really trying to focus, at least with this specific character, on casting a female of color, which Amy was actually under fire for lack of diversity in buttheads. Oh, Shonda Rhimes yeah. actually tweeted at her in 2012 and basically was like, really? You couldn't have cast a single ballerina yeah. of color for my daughter to look up to? And I thought that was very Just interesting. Just so fucking fair. And so I uh, was pleasantly surprised to see that because I know that, you know, Gilmore Girls has been kind of criticized yeah. for its lack of diversity. Absolutely. And to see that they're... good reason. Yeah, and to see that they are really striving for that in this possibly yeah. second chance at Bunheads. It's interesting though that it's like non-specific. It makes me wonder what the story is mm-hmm. and like how the story is going to come about because like while it's like it's great that they're going to now focus on diversity in their show, it's a little bit late, you know? It's a little bit late in the game. Not mm-hmm. really something we should necessarily celebrate from them. It's kind of like, well, welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. Thanks for getting on board with everyone else. I'm interested to see what that ends up being. I am too. Because it's kind of like that's kind of non-specific. That it like is, how yeah. can that affect the show and the way that the story is being told if there's like a lack of specificity to the background of the character? Yeah, I'm not so sure. So I'm interested to see what they do with that. Yeah. Cuz it's I am it's as long well, overdue. We don't know anything about this show and I kind of found out why. I think they're trying yeah. to keep it hush-hush for the moment at least. But if it yeah. does come this way, I'm really intrigued to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I'm interested to see what it's about, especially dance, especially everything that we talked about with like Amy's mom and like mm-hmm. her history yeah. that like getting the like, I guess, you know, she's really an amazing writer and like create, create this world. So to see what she does, that's hopefully different than Bunhead's and where that, where that goes. I know. Mm, I can't wait to watch. Me too. But that is all to say, I guess that gypsy film or revival or whatever it was going to be is going to be on the back burner for a little bit longer. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of sad. I know. I kind of wanted that. If only because it was her favorite musical. I know. Well, one day. I have to imagine that if they were in talks to do it with her, they wouldn't move forward with it until yeah. she was available. Oh, yeah. But it is maybe exciting to hear. Maybe you won't want them on a musical. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we saw the revival. <laughs> we all saw it. But no, I, I think that it sounds like this next one will also be very musically involved. So I'm really, mm. I'm really excited to hear that her next show is underway. It's very exciting. Intrigued, yeah. Because Maisel uh, premieres at the end of this week, the final season. Oh, it's this week. It's wow. this week. I'm very excited, and of course, because I was on it, can't wait. Oh my god, can't wait to see my. Are we debut. gonna get to see your haircut? <gasps> Maybe. Oh my god, <laughs> we're gonna have to post it everywhere. Our star has arrived. <laughs> In the same way, it's like, Amy, Tara, Tara and her haircut. (laughs) So we had some besties call in after our episode last week about Amy Sherman Palladino, but we had a lot of our besties write in to us on Instagram, specifically about one piece of the puzzle that we were trying to figure out last week, which was Amy and Dan's wedding. And a lot of you told us that um, on Scott Patterson's podcast, I Am All In, I believe the actor who plays Andrew and Sean Gunn, who plays Kirk, both went on and kind of mentioned Amy's wedding. But I found an article about Amy and Dan's wedding in doing like a little 
little research. Yes. Little clack. We missed it before. I'm very excited to share this with you because I okay. didn't know this, but I'm also not surprised by this. Okay. So this article came out um, actually the day before my birthday in 2022. So only a few months ago. Oh, wow. Uh, they're talking about the 100th episode of Gilmore Girls, Wedding Bell Blues, where Emily and Richard renew their vows. After the episode aired in 2004, Gilmore Girls creators Amy Sherman Palladino and Daniel Palladino revealed the location of the episode came from their real life wedding. And also, it was not the first time the Gilmore Girls shot there because, as we know, that wedding venue is where they shot the uh, Chilton dance, Rory's first yeah, dance. Yeah, Rory's dance. Right? But the Palladinos were on a Television Critics Association panel for Gilmore Girls season five in January of 2005 and looking back on Wedding Bell Blues. It takes place at the Wilshire Ebel Theater which hosted their wedding. Oh, so I love that. Dan says, here's today's special little trivia. It's where Amy and I got married eight years prior at the Wilshire Ebel on Wilshire, which is down the street from where we live. So we got to walk to work and it was really fun. So <gasps> this was, this must've been in 2004 that they did this. So they got married in 1996. Wow. So they must have met on Roseanne. Cause remember we were kind of calling that into question as to whether or not they yeah. met on Roseanne or met on Subsequent projects, it had to have been before that if they got married in 1996. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I know. Me, too. Real life reflecting into her fictional world, which it does. Yeah. It seems to. I love that little nod. Cute. Right? And according to what other people, what our besties shared with us in writing in on Instagram, it was a 1940s swing of wedding, which feels so so right for them. Oh, I love that that's where Emily and Richard renewed their vowels. I just feel, I said vowels, like they renewed their A-E-I-O-U's. And sometimes Y. (laughs) Renewed their vowels, rather. Um, Oh, that's cute. I love that. Yeah. I loved learning that. That's so fun. I can't believe you didn't know that. I know. There's so many things that we don't know. Like you just learned that Dan Palladino is the town loner. I really did. I just learned that in season three. Yeah. Take the deviled eggs. I know. It's crazy. Learn something new every day. We were just talking about this off pod. There's always more to say. How like (laughs) there's more to say. There's more to learn. More to discover. We learned so many new things and have over the last year plus that we've been doing this podcast that sometimes so many things get lost in there. Like it's almost like we know too much now. Yeah. Like it's hard to pull facts out sometimes because I'm like my my brain has become like 95% Gilmore Girls. 95% Gilmore Girls, 5% water. That's it. I don't even think I'm 5% water. I wow. I'm too dehydrated for that. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> Same, probably. 5% Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of hard to like pull things out anymore because I'm like, oh, there's so much in there. It's like, I gotta like, like, it's almost like there's like a little woman in there and she's got a, <laughs> she's on like a ladder that, do you, you pay know, her well? <laughs> I, I try, but I don't think any amount of money could pay her enough yeah. to go through the crevices <laughs> of my mind. Um, but you know, in Beauty and the Beast where Belle like swings on that ladder Oh, my dream. You I know, want one of those so bad. That's what the little woman inside my head does. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many files and she's got to pull things down. She's got to like flip, flip, flip through like, you know, yeah. the Rolodex of things that are still <laughs> just really stuck in there. Reminds me of you. Um, what's her name? And um, the revival who like she's filing the things. <gasps> yes. Yes. Jackie Hoffman, I believe, plays her. Yes. What was her name, though? Gladys oh, or Gladys something. Or something. Yeah. Alice. Something of that. Yeah. Uh, variety. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's that's what it feels like. It's like um, when Lorelai walks into Luke's in Lost and Found 
and he can't find the ledger and she's like this is always what I picture the inside of my head to look like that is yeah. exactly how I feel all of the <laughs> time it's just facts, Gilmore Girls everywhere around. <laughs> a Logan Huntsberger poster yes <laughs> box sets are everywhere Carol King's album is in the corner like it's just yeah. woo, it's all in there but anyway this was a fun fact to learn yeah. but in addition to having some of our besties write in we did have some besties call in so yes so we're going to start with a call from our bestie Alyssa hi girlie my name's Alyssa, and I just listened 6.28 in the morning on the day that you dropped your Amy Sherman Palladino episode. I've already listened to it. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I would like to hear more about is, like, the continuity between shows that Amy has. Like, she has such dedicated actors, and I would love to hear you talk about what the actor's perspective is of working with Amy because I hear it on other podcasts related to Gilmore Girls and I hear it when other actors do interviews and stuff like where they just feel lucky to have worked with her, lucky to have even been a part of the magic and all of this. So I would love if you could talk more about the actor's perspective of working with Amy. Love you all. Thanks for sharing. Six twenty eight. I know. Starting our day, listening to us. That's like finding out people jog to us. Like I know. That's one of my favorite. I love it. So I'm so glad she called in because she, you know, asked about the continuity between shows because there is a lot. Um, not just from an actor standpoint, but also thematically. There are a yeah. lot of similar <laughs> themes. And I think that I did a TikTok about this. Okay. Gosh, like at least a year, if not more ago, about like five things that I noticed and pulled from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that reminded me of Gilmore Girls. Um, but as I've been watching the show with Brett, I'm like learning so much. I'm seeing so many things because I, it's basically the first time that I've rewatched the show since we've been in like the thick of the podcast because it came out. Yeah. The fourth season came out last February. Is that the one with Milo? Yes. Okay. And he's in this season too. Oh, is he? I saw him in the preview and I was like, <gasps> oh, anyway, so dang. when season four came out last year, you know, we had just started doing this podcast, but now having done it for over a year and like really being in the thick of it and rewatching Maisel, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many Amyisms in here. Yeah. And understandably so. Like, she writes what she knows and like she has a very specific tone um yeah. so off the top of my head like one of the moments that really stands out to me is there's this moment in one of the earlier episodes where Midge Rachel Brosnahan's character and Susie who is played by Alex Borstein they go into this comedy club and um there's this comedian up there who has a marionette but the marionette has died and he's like this is usually <laughs> the second part of my act but my marionette has died and so like he does his whole act without the marionette even though the marionette is part of the act and he's holding the marionette and like Midge and Susie are losing it they think this is the funniest thing but the rest of the audience is just dead and Susie (laughs) looks at the man next to her and goes don't you think this is funny and he's just like no oh my god it's John Stevens <laughs> it's concert interruptus and I was like yeah oh my god and then there's a moment in season two episode one uh where Midge and her father they're in Paris and um there's this Parisian woman they who, go to Paris they do there's there's uh an oh. episode or two at the beginning of season two that that takes place in Paris it's gorgeous oh, I think I do remember that and there's this Parisian woman who runs the um hostel 
that one of them is staying at and they're looking for Rose, um, Midge's mother, and they can't find her. And so um, this woman starts like chasing them around and Midge goes, she's drafting us. She's drafting us. (laughs) (laughs) And all I can think of is Kirk in the Shoot Gilmore Show Day where they're doing the runaround and Lorelai is like, Kirk, what are you doing? I'm drafting you. (laughs) It just makes sense. So good. But one of the ones that I really love is um, when Midge is describing her wedding and she says it was a Russian winter theme. Right. Like the one that Emily has planned for or had planned for Lorelai um, that she reveals in Dead Uncles and Vegetables in season two. So I think that there are going to be so many little isms that I find along the way that we find along the way when we do eventually do our Maisel rewatch because that's going to happen. Which will be fun because I've only seen season one. Now that you say Paris, I think I saw the first episode of season two and then I never watched it again. I don't know why. Mm. Truly, I can't remember. Um, But to that point, I actually have a question for you because there was a Vulture article from 2017 um, about, I think it was like around the time that Maisel was starting, and it says, and it's six signs that you're watching an Amy Sherman Palladino show. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. And and so I feel like this fits really well in here. And one of them is one-of-a-kind dialogue, which Mm. like I feel applies to Gilmore Girls, Bunheads, and Maisel. There's a life-altering event. That's what really kicks off the show. Sure. There's familiar faces because, you know, she has kind of like a company of people that Mm. flip between all of her shows. Got Kelly Bishop in all of them. Um, Milo. Who else? Liza Weil is in them. So there's a whole slew of actors that reprise their appearance in an Amy Sherman Palladino show. Um, Yeah. So you've got, like you said, Milo. Lies a while. Kelly Bishop comes in. Alex, Alex Borstein, Borstein, of course. Right. Um, Scott Cohen, who plays Max Medina. Oh. Chris Eigman, who uh, is Jason Styles. Yeah, Jason. He's great. <laughs> and honestly, amongst the one of the like main characters for uh, the first couple seasons, unfortunately, until his passing, was Brian Tarantina, who plays Bootsy in Gilmore Girls. Oh, my Boots- Bootsy's in. Wait, no. As I'm saying what I'm about to say, I have said that before, and it rang in my mind that Bootsy's a Maisel. We've totally talked about it yeah. before, yeah. But as it goes on, the other, the last two are the business we call show, mm. which is like it's really like imperative. And Gilmore Girls, Bunheads, of course, because it's about dancing, yeah. and then Maisel, which is like a whole new show business unto itself. Yeah. Um, but the last one was the concern about body image, and mm. I had this question for you because. I think that, at least from what I know about Maisel and what I know about Gilmore Girls, which is too much, um, I feel like maybe this one is like Gilmore Girls, it felt more like inherent in the way that maybe, like, I don't ever want to like project onto Amy like anything, but it's like she grew up in ballet, which is like a very, you know, you become very concerned and aware of how you look mm-hmm. and your body image. And I know a lot of like comments that she's made about herself about writing of like the fastest way to lose a ballerina body is to sit down and write every day and things like that. Or like she's really proud of Gilmore Girls. It like makes up for the fact that she lost her shape. And so it, to me, Gilmore Girls kind of felt like it was kind of like inherent in the thought process. And so we get kind of like some body shaming, some fat phobia. You know, I just think it was kind of like ingrained into maybe the way the 
people were talking then. I was gonna say it's definitely a generational thing. I think it was Which much more. Which doesn't common. make it okay, no, but no, no, like no, it I'm was more of that. just like it felt like more of like the fiber of the thought process. Yeah. Versus like you know like I don't I never watched Bunheads, but it seems like maybe that was like probably in it in some way because it's about ballet but sure. the question I had for you about Maisel is I know that like it's very pointed that like Midge like measures herself so like does it become any more like she's moving away from that idea or is it that it's still like really ingrained in who she is well it's interesting because when we watched the pilot Brett and I watched the pilot last week together I forgot about the measuring herself that was like one of like the only scenes I remembered (laughs) yeah she uh she maybe talks about it but I I don't we don't ever really see her do it again and um it's interesting because like in the pilot episode Rose her mother talks about Midge's daughter's forehead being too big like is she gonna grow out of her forehead it's like (laughs) it's meant to be a joke but that language in turn can become harmful you know to women especially because we're already so fixated on what we look like and have insecurities and playing in playing on those can be really harmful even if it's a joke and it's like also very reflective though of like everyone's almond mom who like is going to tell you that like your forehead is too big or like eating something is going to end everything for you but I just wondered like how that kind of like started to like play out in the rest of Maisel because I know that Amy said before she doesn't want to be a quote-unquote like issue show and like sure comment on things in that way like I think that the way that the context of it was she said I don't want ever ever hear anyone said that like I learned everything I know from Dawson's Creek (laughs) yes I'd have to really answer this once I'm deeper into the show but now watching the pilot back and the first couple episodes namely um there's an actress her name is Bailey DeYoung um she is actually in all three of Amy's major shows Gilmore Girls Bunheads and uh Maisel so in Bunheads she's one of the dancers that was the first one she did she plays um, Midge's best friend Imogene in Maisel, oh. and then she's also part of the 30-something gang. She was the blonde, the blonde. with the eyes. <laughs> yes. They go to this exercise class, she and Midge, and that's kind of where they have this whole conversation about the inciting incident that happens in the pilot, uh, which I will not spoil. But uh, they're chatting about it, and one of the things that Imogene says is like, we do this so that we can eat cheesecake. The girls back there do this so they can find men, and so the stakes yeah. are different. And it's like, it's it's so funny because that was kind of a lot of the mentality that surrounded women and their weight yeah. before I would say like just over the last few years that we've kind of like started to accept that every body is different. Um, and it took us a really long time to get here and we have a really long ways to go. Yeah, for sure. So there is a lot to be said about the things that parallel Gilmore Girls. And I think that as we get into the series together, we're going to discover even more of those nuances. Oh my gosh. We were talking about this the other day and we just like don't have the time to recap Maisel right now, but I am so excited to do that with you. I can't wait for us to, to get into it together. It's going to be so great. Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love 
a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> it's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you. But I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you out. Outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. But I do want to speak to Alyssa's second question about the actor's experience of working with Amy, I feel like people tend to sing her praises because they know that she is an amazing leader, right? Because she's the showrunner of these major shows that we've mentioned, Bunheads, Maisel, and obviously Gilmore Girls. But something we didn't bring up in 
our last episode, our deep dive about Amy, because we really only brought ourselves to the time when she started Gilmore Girls. But yeah. after Amy left Gilmore Girls, she wrote a show called The Return of Jezebel James, yeah. which only ran for a couple episodes. And you can see all of the unaired episodes. I believe they're available on iTunes. Oh, I know. Random. I know. Um, but I came across this New York Times article called Tour Writes Herself Another Chance. And it's about Amy Sherman Palladino writing The Return of Jezebel James after everything that happened at Gilmore Girls. Happened with Gilmore Girls. And this was before Jezebel James went to air. So they were expecting it to, of course, do well. I mean, her last show was a hit. But they were talking about kind of the... the ups and downs of working with Amy from a production standpoint Ooh. and that she used to have a lot of trouble and butt heads, which she, I believe has been open about and other people have spoken to who worked with her. Yeah. Um, Valerie even spoke to this, that sometimes it was really challenging to, uh, work on her sets because she did it until it was right. Like she would yeah. do take after take after take. And so they talk to Parker Posey, who was the lead of the show, The Return Jessica of Jessica James. James. And um, basically what she said was, by the end of the week, I'm like a wet rag that's been totally wrung out, stretched, ironed, creased, and crumbled, and hung out to dry. They're like, it'll be a well-oiled machine soon. And you're like, in the year 2000 and what? Still, the stars of Jezebel James say that such hardships were worthwhile if they allowed Miss Sherman Palladino to make the show she wanted to make. And this is a quote from Lauren Ambrose, who was the who plays Parker Posey's sister on the show. When actors work in television, she says, they own you. But when somebody like Amy is in charge, who's passionate and very determined, you go, okay, I'll put my life for the next thousand years in her hands. So people, like, even as far back as the year 2006, were really, really trusting of Amy's work, judgment, guidance, direction. Well, you know, uh, the one that pops out to me is, um, oh my God, what is Dave Rogowski's real name? Adam Brody. Adam Brody. I almost called him Seth Cohen, which I was like, that's also wrong. Um, (laughs) Just was going to get there. But Adam Brody. Oh, my God. How did I completely blank on that? He said that he had a hard time on the show because she was so specific about being word perfect. And at the time was like, dang, this is so hard. But he said years later, he was so appreciative of that because it taught him like, what like hard work in like putting in that into a scene was like going to get out of it because he mm-hmm. never had that experience again mm-hmm. but he brought that experience of doing that work to the like rest of the roles that yeah. he did um and that that like helped him so much that like maybe at the time he was like oh my god just just let that take work like just mm. just accept that um but he was like in retrospect really grateful for yeah. that experience I have to imagine that's hard but like good things don't come easily and I think that yeah. Amy is such a pioneer for that because it had to be word perfect she wrote it very yeah. specifically it was very nuanced and you had to say it very quickly that's why they had the speech coach yeah on the dialogue coach on set at all times yeah and that's why it feels like suddenly you like decreased the speed on the talking in season seven because it's like and that's what we talk about it's less about the storyline and whatnot it's just like season seven lacked that craft and that care Mm. and like maybe it was better for like the people on set which like that's not to be ignored but you lost the art of it yeah for sure and you know what else you lost one of our besties called in and said that they have a running count of how many godfather references there are that (laughs) makes throughout the show and most of them are in seasons one through six 
in season seven, they're really lacking. But yeah, that's just to speak to a lot of the similarities and also some of the differences between Gilmore and Maisel. I mean, it is structured very differently because it had to be structured for the sake of like bingeable television. She made all of those episodes in one fell swoop and they all dropped at the same time because Maisel first aired in 2017 and it came out as one of Amazon Prime's like first not the first, but one of their first hits. Oh, but it all came out in one day, and I watched it that day. Yeah, everybody <laughs> binged it in one in one sitting. And so, like, yeah. TV like that has to be formatted so differently than it was in the year 2000. And so, like, it's not that you don't have time to find your footing, but, like, you can't rely on the audience's reaction to necessarily inform what you write in the next episode or where you take a yeah. character, you know, a couple episodes down the line. It's all fed to you in one fell swoop. But I think that's actually that actually boded well for her. yeah. It's kind of nice to not get any feedback sometimes. Yeah. And interestingly, in an article that I read uh, for our episode that we did last week, she says something to the effect of like, I'm not on social media, so I don't know what people think about my show. I really don't. Like, I don't know what the fans do, but it's very exciting when people come up to me and they're like, hey, I went to Yale because Rory went to Yale. (laughs) She's like, that's great. Cool. Yeah. She loves that. (laughs) But I will say what's interesting about the, the, the continuity in Amy's show, specifically Gilmore and Maisel, because admittedly I only watched a handful of episodes of Bunheads during COVID and I don't really remember much, if I'm yeah. being completely honest. Um, they had buns. <laughs> but yeah, like the commonality is a lot of the relationships because in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, of course it's not about Midge's relationship with her mom, but the relationship that she has with her mom is kind of interwoven into that. And it's interesting to see the differences between Midge's character and her relationship with the people around her versus like Lorelai, Emily, Rory. And because of that, I think people have kind of called into question what Amy's relationships were like with her parents. So let's hear from our bestie, Jennifer. Hi there. Uh, this is Jennifer. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. Thank you. Um, one question I have is, what were her relationships? What was Amy's relationship with her own mother? Was that more like Rory and Lorelai or Lor- Lorelai and Emily? Um, it sounds like it may have been more like Rory and Lorelai, but I was wondering how did she base Emily's character and that relationship between Lorelai and Emily? Where did that come from? Okay, thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. You know, it's such an interesting question to speculate on because, like I just said, the relationship that Mitch has with her mother, that Lorelai has with Emily, Lorelai has with Rory, Rory has with Lorelai, Rory has with Emily. Like, it's all such a tangled web, and they're all very different. They're very nuanced. And I wonder if it's just, like, little snippets of each go into every I don't know, because it's, like, such such – like, extremes of the spectrum. Like, we are best friends, and, like – rarely interact with our like mother-daughter relationship or like we are such mother and daughter that we like are paralyzed by each other yeah like so it's like I don't think that it's necessarily going to be either but again no idea but like everyone is so intrigued by it because she keeps writing these strong mother-daughter relationships Mm -hmm. one the entire focus and like the latter being um you know not the whole point of the show but no definitely not but like rose and midge like their relationship is very important and for season one you know while midge is exploring the side of herself that she kind of keeps from both of her parents dysfunctional family is a big theme yes dysfunctional family is a huge theme so it's very interesting and a very uh important question to kind of pose but 
so much of that we're unfortunately not able to answer until we have her on the show if we have her on the show and if she wants to answer yeah if she wants to answer but the thing is though is like you can say like oh she writes about dysfunctional families really well she has a dysfunctional family but she is from the valley and stopped into a small town one day and was like i'm gonna write about a small town so you get the impression that like she knows what small town life is like Mm. but she has an amazing imagination could maybe she has like a very perfect wonderful family and they had no problems at all and she can just imagine where all the dysfunction would take place so yeah to speculate either way is wrong um the only way we would know is if miss amy got on the mic with us that'd be so fun what a pipe dream but um i know open invitation truly the invitation is open yeah we don't know where to send it but maybe in a top hat and a hat box <gasps> mail it to her house <laughs> that would be really nice or we can go where is it the the wiltshire theater and yeah. then just walk a couple of minutes sure and, yeah in either direction and just hope yeah yeah just we'll send, just a, send a bunch it. of them in that direction <laughs> That's not scary. <laughs> yeah, that's not stalkery at all. That's okay. I hit her with some stranger danger right out the gate when I met her. Yeah. I said, hi, you don't know me. We've reached our quota on that. We really have. <laughs> we'll let her find us. Well, speaking of Emily and Lorelai's relationship, as you all know, we did a little bit of a deep dive of Emily's character and who she is, and we really talked about a lot of her relationship with Lorelai. Yeah, it really was a deep dive between the two of them. Yes, but we haven't really talked about Lorelai on her own in a while. We talked about a lot of her relationships and her relationship to Rory and to Emily, um, but we haven't talked about her in a while, so we're going to get into Lorelai's character and celebrate her because her birthday is coming up on April 25th. But before we get there, we have arrived at They Shoot Gilmore's Don't They in our Patreon rewatch of season three, which is Tara's favorite episode and arguably one of the best episodes of the entire series. One of the best episodes of like my favorite episodes of television. Seriously, same. Yeah. So we are actually going to be doing our recap of They Shoot Gilmore's Don't They on pod next Tuesday. But for our current Patreon Super Cool Party People members, we do want to let you know we will have another episode on Patreon. We'll do the next episode, Let the Games Begin, for you next Friday so that you don't lose out on an episode this month. So we'll have more to revisit next Tuesday? We'll have more to revisit in the next episode. If you want more Gilmore to say, join us on Patreon where you can listen to our spoiler-full rewatch podcast, Gilmore Revisited, where we're currently watching season three. You can also join us for live watches, our community Discord page, and get monthly merch discounts to our old-fashioned merch shop at gilmoretosay.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast, where you can stay up to date on all things Gilmore to Say. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.